Welcome to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. I'm Rick Cushman. And I'm Paul Wagner. This is a special show for us today. We are in Amador County Wine Country with the all at the always awesome Four Fires Festival in Plymouth. And in front We are in in front of a live audience. We're doing this show in front of a live audience today. And it's huge, Paul. What do you think? 10,000, 20,000? It looks like Woodstock from here. Yeah, it's it's insane, and, and let's just hear from this audience. Let's hear it, folks. You see what a little wine will do, folks? That's why we do wine shows. Uh, but, but besides that, we'll have some questions from, from the folks here I out in the audience and from other listeners. And, and our really horrible wine writing this week is really annoying and singular. And as usual, we will make fun of wine snobs. By the way, we're still on Capital Public Radio's podcast lineup. That's Sacramento's NPR station. Actually, we're in a special category of Capital Public Radio Recommends. And they're helping sponsor four fires in our show getting here. Because they are gluttons for punishment. They, it's amazing. It really is. You'd think they would know better, but there you go. So most of today's show will be us answering your questions. But we're going to start today by asking you folks a question out here in the audience, which is, what is it that wine snobs do that annoys you most besides host radio shows? Spit the wine Spit out. Spit the wine Spit the wine. This Ooh. is appropriate, Rick, because yes. I, earlier in the day, as part of a workshop here at the show, I said the first thing they needed to do was learn how to spit the wine out. Yeah. So clearly I am the most annoying wine snob they know. There you have it, right there. I, Thank I do. you very much. Yeah. Any, any other ones? Any other, uh, I, really, I really hate this kind of thing, my wine snobs? Because I can tell you one of mine. Mine is, you know how wine snobs always brag to you about the wine they had last night? Whatever wine they're drinking with you, they had a better wine last night. And right. it's like the 19, no, it's like the 1442, I don't know, Casa de Columbus or... And, and it's, it's like the fishing guide who said you really should have been here last week. They were really biting. Yes, right? but it is, it, it's like they're, they're showing you their trophy case. And they're not even showing you their trophy case. They're really just telling you, which you don't know that that really had that wine. And you can't get away from that guy. I've, you're stuck next to him at a table and he continues to tell you about all of the wines he had from places that you've never been, have never heard of, and frank, frankly might not even like the wine. That's... Did, I, did I, I tell you about the wine I had last night? Really? See why I don't eat with him? This is how, our, this is how it goes. By the way... You don't uh, eat with me because you're not invited. Right? It's, well, <laughs> otherwise I'm going to tell him about the wines I had. That's why. All right, we're going to take a couple of questions. Uh, we've, had, uh, we've been wandering around this lovely place uh, during the day, but if something occurs to you while you are sitting there, just raise your hand and the lovely Brian Miller, Brian, what did you call him? Brian White. Brian Vanna White uh, will come and, ask and answer a question. So our first question is from Jenny in Sutter Creek. And Jenny asks, Jenny asks, why do I get headaches from red wine? Is it the sulfites? What do you guys think, by the way? Yes, is it the sulfites? I'm getting some, I'm getting some, eh, maybe not, maybe yes, maybe no. I'm getting some thumbs down. Paul, is it the sulfites? Nobody's voting, Rick. Nobody, no, there's like the, the, the 10,000 on the west flank are, but the 20,000 is way out there in the distance. They can't see us. Okay. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think it's the sulfites because, in general, red wines have l less sulfite 
than white wines do. So and, if get, and if you're getting red, red wine headaches, it's probably not the sulfites. Yeah, and, and actually if you have uh, a dried fruit, you have, there's more sulfites in dried fruit. And actually the reason why you don't get, most of it isn't a headache, not that you don't get headaches from wine, but when you have a sulfite reaction, allergic reaction, it's respiratory. You're gonna, it's going to feel like a case of asthma. It's actually not going to be a <coughs> headache. Which isn't to say that the wines can't give you headaches. The, uh, UC Davis just did a recent study that said there's more than 200 compounds in wine that can give you a headache. And here's one that's guess, in there. That's what the leading one is. It's going to surprise you. It's a little technical. Go for it, Paul. Alcohol. Stupid alcohol. I mean, really. You think that? You think it would be? They'd be a little yeah, better about that, wouldn't you? Think it would be a little more obvious. Yeah. Now that's why Paul would tell you to spit. I'd just tell you to drink water and eat more food, and then no, that's not actually. It's a little more than that. Yeah, take an aspirin before you take start. Take an aspirin. So, and by the way, if you'd like to ask us a question, you go to our website at rickandpaulwine.com. All one word, rickandpaulwine.com. You can find us on iTunes as well. And a reminder, of course, at Capital Public Radio's website. That's always a good spot for that. Uh, and another, I, we, we have another question. Uh, this, was from, uh, this was from Mike Eady in Sacramento. Uh, this is a question we got a little bit earlier today. Mike said, so, and this is a question, interesting, you folks might have some thoughts. He said, what besides Zinfandel, what variety really shines here in lovely Amador County? So the answer from the crowd is Barbera. What do you think it is, Paul? I'm 100% behind Barbera. Wonderful uh, wine. Me yeah. too. It Wonderful is, I think wine. that is, I, it really is true. And you know, I was at a tasting recently uh, well, now it wasn't so recently. Now it was more than a year ago, but it was a lot of the, um, the wineries were trying to decide some wines to use to show for uh, a show, you know, and their favorite wines. And we tasted everything that the lovely folks up here make, and there's a lot of the big reds, the Zin, some great Syrahs, but every, every time they tasted a Barbera, everybody said, why don't we all just make this? But I, I want to add another vote here, because in today's tasting, I've tasted a fabulous Tempranillo, a delicious Toriga, a really good Monastrel, fabulous Sangiovese. So the truth is, there's a lot of good wine being made up here, and why limit yourself to just one? You marry one person for the rest of your life. You get to drink whatever you want. No, no. If you marry one person for the rest of your life, you drink what they want. Isn't that how it's supposed to go? No, I'm, I'm just doing that joke. It's not really true. Uh, you just buy what they want. You got to get your own stuff for you. That's kind of how. <laughs> that's sort of. Because Rick would drink only sparkling wine. In that's that case. yes. Well, I'm not that I'm complaining. My uh, my lovely wife, who folk, listeners of the show knows, who has a, frankly a better palate than I do, is a big fan of sparkling wine. Has been enjoying the sparkling wine that's been floating around here today as well. Although my life, my wife really, really likes Barbera from Amador County. Well, that's. Yeah, right. Well, actually, and so does mine. My wife likes it too. Nuh uh. Uh huh. All right. Well, maybe. Maybe they do. Remember, folks, this eventually gets on NPR. It's kind of amazing. Yes, really. So, which is actually this, that is an absolutely perfect segue to our next question. This is from Susan, who is from Fremont. And she wrote this down for us. She said, I heard your show, so I figure you guys can answer a question about immature men. Right? <laughs> My husband refuses to ask for help with a wine list or in a store. And sometimes he gets some really, I'm using the word crummy. She has a slightly stronger word, some really crummy wine. What can I tell him? So, Paul, what do you tell 
the guy that won't listen or won't ask for advice. Okay, so here's the problem. This is the By same the way, he was coming here today but got lost and couldn't get Because he wouldn't get, ask wouldn't for directions. directions. That's no. just what I was going to say. Yeah. Uh, that's if, an old joke, though, now with the technology. If you, if you get a guy who won't ask for directions, why do you think he's going to ask for directions with a wine list? Yeah, well, that's the problem. It he's problem. not. Yeah. I mean, this, the only possible thing she can do is use the Pavlovian response. Reward him when he does well, punish him when he does poorly, and figure over time that he'll learn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the other thing that she can do, and this is actually always a good thing when you are with somebody that really won't ask a question, is you ask the question. Yeah, the, his husband's looking at the wine list. You, you raise even, your hand. Even better, Rick. You, and can, you can say, my husband thinks, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, yes. yes. is that correct? And then you not only offer education for him, but when he's corrected, you embarrass him that's, too. That's not bad. And you can even add, my husband, the idiot, thinks. <laughs> that, one, that one, that's totally powerful. Very nice. That'll get your question. Nice. That, that'll get your questions answered. Actually, you know, this really is a common thing. And the, frankly, you know, not so much the uh, immature husband or immature radio hosts, but a lot of folks are a little shy about asking questions. There's a feeling like you're going to somehow look not right or not smart enough or not expert enough if you don't ask a question. Now, this and is a completely full crowd here who is, of course, very confident in what they do, but does anybody ever feel like that, that, that maybe they're being discouraged from asking questions sometimes in, in a place where they're being lectured to? Actually, Rick hates asking questions because people are, he'll, he's afraid people will realize. Yeah, that, that well, doesn't, it, it doesn't, doesn't. Doesn't have a clue. It, it doesn't take long. I can't hide that, so I just, <laughs> I just go barreling ahead. So that really is, it is a, 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 our, if there's some advice we have um, that is remotely useful, this might be one, which is always feel comfortable asking questions any way you want and don't feel like you need to phrase them in wine talkology, if that's the word. Don't talk, it doesn't have to be wine language. Just say, I like this wine because X, or I saw this, why does that happen? That's not a bad thing. Right, yeah, it, yeah but men don't ever do that, so you don't have it's to true. It. It's true, it's true. Yeah, well, it is true, it, it's mostly men. You know, we make fun of wine snobs and often we just use he because the, the vast majority tend to be he which is you know, an unfortunate thing, but there you go. True. Yeah. If, if being a wine snub was the worst thing that men did. That's, well, oh, there is there go. anything worse than being a wine snub? Oh, yeah. yeah, well. oh, yeah. All right, but this is still a radio show, and we can't talk about that, so <laughs> we will continue to move, move on. All right, I have another question. This is from Bruce from Discovery Bay. This is a good question. Uh, he says, how do wine reviewers in magazines like magazine name removed so we don't get sued, how do they work? Do they taste wines blind? That we, you know, we, we've had some panelists today from wine so, magazines. So let me, let's ask the group. How many of you think, for example, that the wine specter, spectator... Wait, wine uh, magazine name removed so we don't get sued? How many of you think <laughs> that they taste the wines they review blind? Well, we had about four votes there out of the 47,000 people in the audience. The, the rest of them are drinking. I can't oh, blame they're them. They're in the restroom. Yeah. They're in yeah. the restroom. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Actually, they do taste blind. Most wine magazines taste all of the wines they taste blind. There are a couple of folks who don't taste blind, but in general, if you have a wine magazine, you generally taste the wines blind. Remember Sarah Schneider earlier today was talking about tasting blind 
at Sunset Magazine. So, excuse me, the wine, that, the magazine we can't name because we might get sued. Yes. But they, most magazines taste blind, which means they may know the category of wine they're tasting, but they won't know the individual producers at all. Now, they, what they do not do, however, they do not pour blind because that could get you in trouble. Um, and so they, they, tend to, they tend to keep their eyes open and then just slurp it on down. No, that is not Actually, true at all. Actually, they taste blind, but they just put a bag over the head of each person who's doing the tasting. <laughs> yes, I just, and cut a little hole. That's the other way to do it. <laughs> you know, if, you, if you don't want to invest in a whole bunch of bags for your wine at home and you want to you do wine tasting, I think that's, that's not a bad just approach. A, yeah, you've I've, been told that before, haven't I've been you? Told, no, I've put, put a, a bag over your head. That's usually when I'm walking into a restaurant. They just <laughs> they don't want me to, they don't want to see that I'm there. Um, all right, that is it for questions for just a moment. Yeah. We will have more momentarily, but uh, first up, it's time for some really horrible wine writing. You are listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. Well, by that music, it tells you something. It tells you the music is happy, you and I are sad. And you know why we're sad, Paul? Because we're about to talk about bad wine writing. We're about to read some bad wine writing. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, and do you want me to start or do you want to start? You have yours. Yes. Uh, we have, uh, w and, and, and for those of you who have not heard the show before, this is, uh, this is one of my highlights. And it's not hard to find bad wine writing. We just open up a magazine often. Magazine name uh, with <laughs> removed. So um, we won't get sued. No, not, the, not any magazine that anybody who's here today works for, however. It's other magazines. Okay. So my example is... And you should try this. The next time you go taste here at the Four Fires Wine Festival, ask for a taste of the wine. When they pour you the wine, you should look them straight in the eye and say, this wine is confident and self-assured in its focus and singularity. That's a real sentence. Somebody wrote that. So, And then duck. And yes. then duck, because somebody is liable to take a swing at you for saying that. And never mind that confident and self-assured mean the same thing. Right. Yeah, I mean, there's that. That's, yeah, and it's, it's... Well, it's actually self-assured in its singularity. You know, I heard that wine, by the way. It was over in the Italian area. It was bragging about was how tough. singular it was. It was, it was absolutely confident and self-assured. Yeah. Okay, I so have... There's, there's somebody who gets paid by the word, and they just strung some words together and figured, what the heck? Uh, well, speaking of paid, paid by the world, you're going to love this next one. Okay, good. So buckle your seatbelts. This is a newspaper review, not from California. So very likely not somebody you... And this is not even all of it. I'm just going to read just some. On the nose, there are good amounts of crushed black plums, cranberry juice, cherries jubilee, black cherries, milk chocolate chocolate powder, anise, and licorice root. Then bright red flowers, herbs, and earth-driven minerals wait, 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 ran wait, out Rick, the layered stop. toasty nose. Stop. The I've wine is... <laughs> I can't write all this down. This is just the nose. <laughs> okay, this is just the nose. So, so how does the person smell uh, driven, earth-driven minerals or the bright red flowers? Can he, the nose take, pull out the bright red flowers? Or cherries jubilee? Okay, so first of all, how many of you know what red flowers smell like? Roses, maybe? Kind of depends on the flower, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah. Could be gardenias, could be oleanders. Well, they're sort of pink, but yeah. Red flowers means nothing at all. But this one smells like red flowers. And the crushed black plums, of course, taste different from the cut and the squared or the sliced or the whole. 
I mean, that's, they're just reaching for words. But that's just the nose. Let me continue before you fall wait, asleep. I want to know what wind-driven earth minerals smells like. Yeah, right. Not just regular earth minerals, whatever that happens to be, but wind-driven. So that would be like bird poop? I don't know. Is that what that is? <laughs> just, <laughs> dust. dust. Could be dust, yes. Why, that's Maybe. the perfect okay. answer. It well, smells like dust. Why don't they just, why say, don't just dust? say the dust, right? Okay, let me just keep it, going. And this, it goes is, on. this is another thing about really bad wine writing is where the nose is never anything that is in the actual taste of the wine. On the palate, the Pinot Noir wine, the Pinot Noir wine. Like you, know, you love that good, part, yeah, right? Because it's good to know that in a wine magazine writing about wines and tasting notes on wines, they have to identify that what they're talking about is a wine. The Pinot Noir wine. It's like the, the yes. Well, okay, good. The Pinot Noir wine is very forward for Pinot Noir in this, in, this, in this class without the usual extraction found, especially in California Pinot Noirs. There are uh, fresh, bright, crushed, dear Lord, fresh, bright, crushed red berries, cherries, goji berries, plums, yellow raspberries, raspberry coulis, cranberry fondant, and copious amounts of phenols and earthy minerals with underlying hints of aniseed powder. The mid-palate seems rich and forward with good amounts of balance. It goes on. This is just it. So, so wait a minute. One of your favorite descriptors is in there. Uh, there's many of my favorite. Well, yellow raspberries. Yellow raspberries. Does anyone know what yellow raspberry smells like? Or tastes like? They exactly taste like raspberry. like red raspberries. All raspberries taste the same. The only difference is texture. So right. the person could taste the texture of the yellow raspberries. Well, the other thing I like is hints of aniseed powder. So aniseed is anise. It's another way of saying anise. But some of these words, raspberry coulis, that's a jam. Why not just raspberries jam? Cranberry fondant, it's a frosting. Really, the guy can smell that kind of, uh, taste that kind of frosting? It, it just I like the minerals are different in the mouth than in the, the, the dust has transformed itself. Yes. Goji berries, anybody even know what a goji berry tastes like? See? The only time I, oh you, somebody, okay. You didn't write this review, did you? Okay, I just check it, just being sure, all right. All right. That, that is, that's our problem, that's, uh, that's, our, uh, that's why we do this, this segment we call Truly Horrible Wine Writing. The real question is, does that make you want to put that wine in your mouth? Yes, and that's another thing, would you drink that wine? I, uh, how would yeah, you even know, right? Not. Right. Well, that is our horrible wine writing for, for this episode. That was we pretty are, horrible. We're at time to come back to questions. And remember, if you'd like to ask us a question out in the audience, just raise your hand and somebody come by and take, uh, take your note. Uh, if, you, if you're listening to this and want to ask us a question for a future show, uh, you can go to rickandpaulwine.com. Rick and Paul Wine, all one word. Or to the Capital Public Radio website where... We are featured in the very special section of Capital Radio Recommends. Dear Lord. <laughs> Dear Lord. All right. Here is another one. This is from Ashley from Lodi. And Ashley asked, what are the rules to call a wine a reserve? Ah, that's a wonderful question. Anybody know? Well, there's a few people out there that are I there, know. Are there any compliance attorneys in the audience? Because the answer is very simple. What determines... The use of the term reserve is whether the winery wants to call it a reserve or not. There is no definition at all. No rules at all. So, in fact, that's why if you look at the, the less expensive, lower shelf wines in a supermarket, they're all called reserve because they want you to think they're better. Well, Rick, I think this is a reserve show. This, this is a reserve show. This is, a reserve show, this is Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul Reserve, reserve. Edition. Yep, that's Absolutely. us. Yes? Absolutely. Yes? Absolutely. 
Yes, this is a good crowd out here in front. The, uh, so, and, you know, in well, Europe... Well, should be. We pulled out the reserve show for you. Yes, this is, this is your reserve audience, actually, and we appreciate that from all of you. This is very nice, very nice. Um, you know, in Europe or in many other parts of the world, reserve actually has lots of rules that from everything from how the, it's farmed to how long it's aged to the winemaking yeah. and everything in between. In the U.S., it's completely open to... Uh, to whatever. Having said that, if you are walking around here at Four Fires or really anywhere where there's you know good, decent, honest wine folk and smaller wineries for sure, they really are putting reserve on what they feel is their better wines. So it is it is a definition that means. You mean it's different than the show? It's this. This, this is we don't have a better show, <laughs> unfortunately. I'm sorry, we don't have a better show. This is no, the best this we is can as do. Good and, as it and, gets. Yes, so it's right yeah. Here. Yeah. The fact that you haven't thrown anything yet is a sign that we could this be could worse. Be a yes, could be a reserve show. Yeah, yeah. That's right. That, that is exactly right. Um, all right, here is another one. This is from Randall, from who is from Folsom. Randall asks, how does a wine get a gold medal at one com wine competition? Actually, just one of our friends who I know is a longtime wine competition runner and another chief judge of State Fair wine commercial competitions out there in the audience. I saw him and he says, so, how does a wine get a gold medal at one wine competition and nothing at another? Well, first of all, there are a couple of things there. You don't necessarily know it didn't get anything at another competition because most competitions don't announce what, didn't, what got entered and didn't win a medal. That's true. So it may simply not have been entered in the other competition. But wine competitions are not generally panels of 50 people tasting wine. They break the wines down into smaller groups, and it's usually like three people who form a judge. And I see a number of people in the audience with whom I've judged over the years, and we all know. And, and I might ask, if, if you if, know Paul that well, why did you come today? Don't you have better things to do? I'm just going to point out that if, if you and I, for example, had been on a panel, and then we'd had Rick on the panel, he would have had so much fun. The difference in the ratings would have changed completely <laughs> than if we'd had some competent judge instead. That's true. And so that's what happens on a wine panel. It's true. Each judge brings his own little bit of, of, of preconceived notion and perceptions. And some people really like bigger, richer Zinfandels, and some people don't. And if that judge happens to get them one competition and another judge gets them another competition, it wins an award in one competition and it doesn't win an award on another competition. Yeah, and I've, I've been on panels, like a panel of four, and, and there was a gold medal. You know, each judge gets to put the medal on it that they think it deserves. And I've been yeah. on panels that went gold, silver, bronze, no award for the four people. Right. Having said that, if you look over a, a number of competitions, you'll find that wines that do well in some have done well in others. That it's sort of a preponderance of evidence. Yeah, there are, there are some, all of us who judge know that there are certain wines that at the end of a competition, we're not surprised when they announce, well, the best Sauvignon Blanc was this wine. We're not surprised by those, so. Yeah, no. Don't, don't judge one medal, but a combination of medals, it's a pretty good wine. Yeah, though, you know, major wine competitions, and I, I'm going to say this because the chief judge is sitting out here, but California... He's actually uh, winding up with a tomato. Yes, and I, if I say something nice, then he'll stay because we're going to record another show right after this for another 20 minutes. So now Mark has to say, Mark Chandler, a, a good guy and a friend of ours. And, and, you know, I know that Mark works really hard to make that competition be useful to consumers. So if you see a medal from... Well, uh, for example, I didn't judge this. Yes, so. and, and by the way, may I... 
may I commend you for your judgment on that one, Mark? Good, good call. Good call. Uh, but so he works very, very hard to uh, to make sure that uh, that uh, that those medals really are of value. All right. So uh, speaking of uh, something that is is of no value, this is it for uh, our first episode. We will record another right after this. Uh, but just so you know, uh, your no val value episode of uh, Rick and Paul is about to end. Uh, the uh, we want to thank you, our our producer Matt Bassini, that uh, young and lovely gentleman standing in the middle, making sure that I don't hold thank the mic you, too close. Thank you. Um, thank you to Capital Public Radio for including us on their podcast lineup and helping us today. A huge giant thank you to the Four Fires Festival in Amador County for inviting us here, and I might add, for treating us well and for keeping uh, the audience, you folks, from rioting. Thank you very much. From and and, that, that, and plate, that bulletproof glass was helpful. That's right, and by the way, thank you for not rioting. And uh, if you hang on, we're gonna do another one. And if you'd like to ask us a question at rickandpaulwine.com, uh, all one word, just go to our website. Uh, if you learned anything today, we hope it's be very careful about who you invite onto your stage. I'm Rick Cushman. And I'm Paul Wagner. And remember, the best wines you drink are with friends. Or with us. Especially us.